0: Good morning. If you would grab a Bible, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Good to see you this morning. I want to say before I get started how much I appreciate uh, the well wishes and prayers and reaching out that uh, you all did to us in our uh, interesting little time of being sick and uh, so we, uh, we appreciate that so much, and uh, we're all feeling better, although I know that that still makes everybody a little skittish. Uh, so I was thinking about Taryn had left his glasses up here. I thought, oh, I'll take him his glasses, and I thought, well, I don't know, he might not want to accept anything from me at the moment, but uh, anyway, we appreciate so much you guys uh, thinking about us, and uh, I do encourage us all to be in prayer about... Uh, our members of our congregation who are, who are suffering and struggling right now, as I know you are. And uh, there's a lot of um, concern about uh, physical things at the moment, and those are things to be mindful of. So appreciate all of you. It's good to see you this morning. Appreciate those who are joining us online and who are following along with us there. We want you to know that you're a part of us too, and we're glad that you're joining in with us and worshiping God with us as well. I want to read here in Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus tells Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Do you relate to that at all? Anxious and troubled about many things. We regularly do battle with anxiety, and it is my judgment that that battle is only intensifying in our present moment. By all the measures that we use as a nation, particularly the measures of diagnosis of anxiety disorders and depression, we are an increasingly anxious nation. And a lot of those studies were done before 2020, which has certainly not helped in the different measures of anxiety. So let me remind you that we are increasingly anxious despite the fact that we are a remarkably wealthy nation. That hasn't changed it. We are increasingly anxious despite unprecedented advances in the realms of medicine and technology, in spite of the fact that we have access to most of the knowledge that has ever existed in the world, and many of the experts who hold the knowledge, we have access to them. Despite the fact that we are able to communicate with one another and with people across the world in ways that have never before been seen, we are still anxious. In fact... To me, that raises some questions of its own. I don't know about you. It raises questions like, why is anxiety higher in wealthier nations? Why is it that it doesn't help us to have more money and more stuff? We still just feel more anxious. Why do our devices make us feel worse? Or, why is it that information doesn't help us be at peace? What I'm trying to get at is that in a world like ours... Learning to manage our anxiety is not a luxury. It is a survival skill. We must understand what is making us anxious and what to do about it. So I started thinking about uh, different levels, age levels, and how they deal with anxiety in different ways. Our young people are battling anxiety. Our teenagers live in a digital world where they are constantly on and constantly evaluated, and they are liked or disliked, they're always concerned about whether they are missing out on something. When they look for work as they move into adulthood, there is a tremendous pressure to, to pick the right work and to do things that are going to be not only fitting for a lifestyle that they want, to pay off the debt that they've accumulated for college, but also that somehow fulfill all their greatest and wildest dreams. So researchers say that of all the generations, the millennial generation is the most Anxious. The middle aged battle anxiety. That is, we enter into that part of our lives where we begin to wonder have I accomplished what I wanted to? Is my life what I thought it would be? And we worry for our children and we worry for our parents and we we worry. We have anxiety about ourselves and about those around us. The older battle anxiety because there is uncertainty in the air today and so they worry. For their health and for their retirement and for the future of the nation they're leaving to their children and grandchildren. On and on and on. No matter what stage of life you fit in, you have so many things to worry about. So I don't know about you, but I wonder, will the political rhetoric in our country ever calm down? I mean, I thought an election would do it. An election didn't do it. You know, is this the way we're going to be from now on? Will we ever be able to put the masks away? Is this just the way we're going to be? And we wonder and we worry. Will we even be able to be with the people that we love? So how do you find peace in a world like that? Somewhere, quietly, the voice of Jesus is calling, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. I want to talk for a few minutes about finding peace in an anxious world. Jesus is telling us there is a way out, and we need to listen to him. I want to talk about it this way. I want to ask some questions about anxiety. The first is this. uh, Why are we so anxious? Sometimes the anxiety that we feel is internal. That is, it comes from within us. And I believe that's what's going on with Martha here. In verse 38 of Luke 10, in verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So she wants Jesus in her home. That's a good thing. But it's also a lot of work because Jesus doesn't usually travel alone. He's going to have a big entourage, lots of disciples around him. And so Martha is not just feeding him or taking care of him. She is instead feeding and taking care of a large group of people who are now in her home. And so in verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. So what she does in verse 40, she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So she tries to get Jesus to correct Mary to come help her. Isn't it interesting that when you feel anxious, you very often turn on other people and begin to criticize and be difficult with other people. Because you are feeling something, you then attack others. We become very unpleasant when we are anxious people. And our relationships suffer. So verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. This word, anxious and troubled, means to be upset or distressed or alarmed. Martha has a lot on her mind and it is upsetting her. It's taking her in a lot of different directions. But I want to point out that this anxiety is internal. That is, it's not that Martha is in a situation that's so desperate and so difficult that she doesn't know how to handle it. This is not a desperate, difficult situation. She's having some friends over. Now, what's going on here is something that's coming from within her. She is feeling something that is coming from Martha. We often feel this kind of anxiety when we have expectations, certain things that we want or hope for, and then we feel a pressure when we see maybe things are not going to go the way we hoped or wanted. And so for Martha, I'm assuming, this is just my assumption, but I'm assuming Martha wants to do a great job when she has Jesus in her house. She loves Jesus. She believes in him. She wants Jesus to feel at home and the disciples to feel at home. She wants to honor God by the way she takes care of Jesus. And so that makes her, that expectation, that goal makes her anxious. So anxious that she can't think about anything else she can't notice that she's ignoring Jesus and his teaching, that Mary is actually listening to him. Instead, she just feels this incredible pressure that comes from within. Paul writes this about anxiety. This is 1 Corinthians 7:32. Uh, for context, this is the place where Paul is giving advice about how people should, whether they should get married or not in the present distress. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Now, we can talk about, uh, you know, what does that mean about getting married? I don't think that that's just universal advice. But I do believe the idea is clear that Paul is saying there is an expectation and a goal, a drive that you have when you have a responsibility to a wife, or he says later in that passage, a wife to her husband, that you're going to be focused on that. That's something that's coming from within, and there is an anxiety that that produces. Sometimes it can be beneficial. Sometimes it can be detrimental. But he's saying, I want you to be anxious about the things of the Lord. So I want that, external, that internal motivation to be about Jesus rather than just about other people. So why are we so anxious? The first idea I'm, I'm expressing here is that sometimes that anxiety comes from within us. The other part is that sometimes our anxiety comes from outside us, from external pressures. Let's go over to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, we've been studying 1 Peter in the Wednesday night class. And for those who have been in that class, you know that what's going on in 1 Peter is that the Christians there are suffering and being persecuted, and there is the possibility of more and worse persecution to come. So in 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 6, 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, Peter writes, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So verse 7 is the focus there, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The idea is of prayer, and through prayer we give the Lord, God in this text, our anxiety. Now what is the anxiety? It's pretty clear from verse 9 that there are sufferings going on, and in verse 10, after you have suffered a little while. These are not internal anxieties. This is not something where people are sitting around just overly worried. It is instead, I am concerned because things are happening that I can't control. And whenever that happens, we feel anxiety because it's going to be negative, it's going to be hard, and we have no control over it. That kind of anxiety is also natural, but it is external. And what he is saying here, what Peter is saying, is that we can take those anxieties to the Lord And cast them on him because he cares for us. And in that we watch out, verse 8, for the devil who is walking about like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. So we bear up under external anxiety when we give it to God. And sometimes anxiety is both internal, it's coming from me, and it's external, it's coming from outside me. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 6. I want to show you how sometimes it is a combination of the two. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 and verse 25. It says, Matthew six twenty-five. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So Jesus says, don't be anxious about what you eat and drink, what you wear, which, by the way, that's not about the menu. You know, I don't wonder what we're going to eat today. It is instead, I wonder if we're going to eat today. And it is not about fashion as I wonder what I should wear. Does this look good or does this look good? It is, am I going to have clothes today? And he says, don't worry about your life in those terms. God's going to feed you. God's going to clothe you. He does that to all the different parts of nature. But this anxiety that he is describing, this concern is both internal and external. That is, we need things to make life continue. We need food and clothing. We need these things. That's internal. But the external thing is, where am I going to get them? I live in a world that I don't always control, and there are only small things, small parts of it that I can control. So, I feel the internal pressure, this is what I want and this is what I need, and the external pressure of I'm not sure how I'm going to get it. And so, together, those two things produce anxiety. And Jesus is telling us in this text don't be anxious because God is in control of what you are not. Don't be anxious because God can handle your needs. So, we become anxious, partly because there is internal pressure of things we want, hopes, dreams, expectations, what we want from life, and then external pressures where we live in a world that we can't control. I find it helpful to ask this question of myself. Why am I so anxious? It is a probing question because it gets beneath just what am I thinking about to why is this bothering me? Why is this dominating my mind? Why can I not let this go? What is it about this that is troubling me? And those questions help me to see what are my internal expectations that are causing this. I find that a lot of my anxiety is really just about my own selfishness or my own assumptions. And I also find that when I can't control my circumstances, I can at least work on the part of this that's coming from me. All right, so that's why we're so anxious. The second question I want to ask is why does anxiety hurt us? The New Testament stresses that too much anxiety can be overwhelming and spiritually dangerous. And so I want to talk about some of the spiritual dangers here. The first is is here in Matthew 6, where Jesus tells us that anxiety is unproductive. Look at verse 26 again with me, Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Do you hear Jesus' questions? Verse 27, particularly. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? I, I grew up on the New King James, which says could add a single cubit to his height. You know, does worrying ever done that for you? You know, when you worried a lot, you got taller. When you worried a lot, your life got longer. Jesus is saying, you don't control anything. So why do you think by worrying, you're going to do something productive? It's going to make anything better. Worry does no good. And so Jesus gives two examples of nature... Parts of nature that don't worry at all. He's got the birds and he's got the flowers. They don't even work. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't make clothes. They don't worry about where food and drink are coming from. And yet God keeps providing for them. Point. There is no link. No link between our anxiety and God providing for us. No link. There isn't for the birds or the flowers and there's not for us. So anxiety is ultimately unproductive. At best, it's a waste of our time and energy. At worst, it consumes our thinking, sometimes ruins us in our health. That's not productive. Why does anxiety hurt us? It hurts us because it chokes out God's word. Look with me over in Matthew 13. This is one of those that I think we could probably all nod and say, oh yeah, that's probably true but I'm not sure how frequently we really consider what is being said when Jesus talks about the word being choked out. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, this is as Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower, where some of the seed falls on thorny ground, and it starts to sprout up, and yet it is choked out by the other thorny plants. Matthew 13 and verse 22, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world... And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now that word cares in verse 22 is actually our word anxieties, the worries of the world, the things that we stress about that are worldly. So think about all the things that are worldly worries that we have. All the things that we have to attend to during our day, our responsibilities, the people that we know and relationships we maintain with them, our hopes for our lives, our dealings with money and the bills that we have to pay, our concerns about the future and our children and how they're doing in their future. And on and on and on we go. All those concerns. The more dust is in the air, the harder it is for us to see God. The more things that overwhelm the system the more the word of God gets choked out I'll tell you how that manifests for me I find that I will sit down to pray and I have a really hard time keeping a linear thought in prayer as soon as I start talking about one thing oh yeah what about this what about oh I forgot about oh I need to do that later let me write that down so many worries so many anxieties that I can't even focus on a conversation with God. Overwhelmed so that I cannot see and hear from God. Our anxieties can be so immediate and so pressing that there's just no room for God. That's exactly what happens with Martha, by the way. Here Martha is, she can't put the dishes down long enough to listen to Jesus. In fact, here are people listening to Jesus. She's mad at them. She's mad at her sister. Why can't she come help me? Because Mary is listening to Jesus and she is not. Anxiety distracts us from what really matters. It even makes me wonder, as I was thinking about this this week, it makes me wonder if this is not one of the major reasons why people are not terribly interested in the gospel is because there's just so many other things that are demanding their time and attention right now. They seem so immediate and, and God just seems distant because the word has been choked out. So if you feel that listening to God's word or taking time to read and think and pray is something you don't have time and energy for, or maybe it just seems kind of boring, it may be that anxiety is the culprit. Why does anxiety hurt us? It hurts us because we are at the mercy of circumstances and people, Let's go over to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, where Paul talks some about anxiety. <clears throat> Philippians 4, I want to read beginning in verse 4. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And drop down to verse 11. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So there is, in Paul's thinking, I hope you can see it, a connection between limiting anxiety and finding contentment. He says, I have found a way to be content, verse 11, in whatever situation I'm in. So he refuses to live in anxiety. Instead, he says, I'm going to focus on positive things. That's verse 8. I'm going to lean on the Lord. What's intriguing to me about this is that seeing Paul live above anxiety kind of shows us what it would be like if Paul were to live beneath anxiety. If Paul were different, it would look different. He would have happy letters when things were good and angry letters when things were bad. He would not be able to say, rejoice in the Lord always. He could say, I'm joyful because everybody's being nice to me at the moment. Which, when does that ever happen to Paul? When does that ever happen to any of us? He would say, oh, I can only be joyful in these circumstances. Oh, I can be grateful, but only when I have everything that I need. And he actually says, no, I've learned how to be in need. Anxiety teaches us. Anxiety whispers That so many bad things can happen that we have to always be afraid. Anxiety says you are always at the mercy of whatever circumstance you're in, whatever people you're around, however they treat you. Your mood, your spirit is constantly reliant on others and things that are outside of your control. And Paul refuses to accept that. That's not the way Christians live. Anxiety hurts us because it makes us into the kind of people who are constantly reactive. And saying, only when there's nothing to worry about can I finally be joyful, content, what I should be. Instead, God calls us to something higher, to live above circumstances and people and what they do. All right, well, that all preaches kind of easy. I think we're all in agreement with what we've said so far. I don't think anybody is saying, no, my anxiety is really good. The question then is, well, what do we do about it? And I want to spend the the rest of our time presenting some biblical strategies for managing our anxiety. The first, and probably all of these are going to be kind of duh, but that's okay. We need to actually think about how we do this and what it should mean for us. What can we do about it? First, pray. First, pray. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So Paul doesn't just say, don't be anxious. He gives us a path for how we handle things that we would be anxious about. He says in verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He uses four different words to describe prayer, four words which makes me think he has thought a lot and dealt a lot with this issue because he's going to say it over and over again. Think about how much different would it be if I put four different words for pray as the the, uh, emphasis of this lesson. Pray and make requests and supplications and thanksgiving. Pray and pray and pray and pray. But there is a movement in these ideas. When we have anxiety, we feel anxiety, often as just a big blob of worry and concern. And Paul says, don't be anxious. Instead, verse 6, let your requests be made known to God. The question here is, what do you need? Not what, what all could go wrong. What are all the potential situations that would be unpleasant for you the the idea is what is your request what do you want God to do and this is very productive this is very helpful because it says if I had God acting on my behalf here is what I would like God will you do this for me and this is an action step we are moving here from anxiety towards something that's actually productive what do I want God to do how can God handle this I believe that kind of articulation and specificity is very helpful. Anxiety often leads us to feel like we are the only ones on the job. Jesus says, this is the way the Gentiles live, people that don't have a dependable God. But we know that God will take care of things if we ask him to. So prayer directly involves God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he also says that this peace that comes that we can't explain and is hard to articulate, that this peace will come on us and will guard your hearts and minds. What does guard imply? Guard implies that there are constant threats of anxiety that are coming and attacking us. And yet God can give us something, a peace, that will buoy us through all those times of difficulty. We keep asking God. God keeps preserving us. I want to remind you what we read a minute ago, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Prayer is how we handle anxiety. It is amazing to me that this is clearly what God tells us to do, and this is one of those solutions that somehow we think would never work and often don't even try. So that when we feel this kind of anxiety, very often someone were to say, have you prayed about it? We'll say something like, I hadn't even thought of that. Anxiety should produce prayer. Let your requests be made known to God. And I want to encourage you, if if you are battling anxiety and you have not just tried to continually pray about it, that it may be the answer is right in front of you as to how to handle this problem. Second, we can give thanks. Look at verse 6 again with me. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I said there were four words for prayer here. You see prayer and supplication, and we talked about requests. But thanksgiving doesn't fit with the others. Thanksgiving is a different kind of prayer. Thanksgiving is not where we're asking God for things. Instead, we are spending some time chewing on what God has done. So when we are anxious about what's going to happen today or tomorrow, what's going to happen with this virus, or what's going to happen with my job or my family, this asks the question, what do you have? What can you thank God for? What has he done? Thank you, God, for this breath, for this family. Thank you for the days and weeks and months and years that you've already given me. Thank you for the hope you've given me through the gospel. Thank you for your love and forgiveness and the transformation you've been working in me. Thank you for the happiness and the love that you've given me. Suddenly, anxiety has some perspective when we think to give thanks. Third thing that we can do about anxiety is remember God's promises. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. This is where Jesus takes us when we begin to be anxious. He says there are some things that you know about God and that you also observe about God in the broader world. And Matthew 6 and verse 26, <clears throat> Matthew 6, 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not of more value than they? Then down in verse thirty. But if God, I'm in Matthew six, and verse thirty. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" or "What shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus says, look around and do some thinking. First, He says, isn't your life more than the food that sustains us? And isn't your body more than the clothes you put on? If God feeds the birds, won't He feed you? If God clothes the flowers, won't He clothe you? Trust God. And especially, he says, God already knows, verse 32, that you need all these things. God knows how to take care of you. He's been taking care of things for an awfully long time. Do you think he's not going to take care of you? He's going to watch over all the birds and never you? Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So God is going to take care of you, seek his kingdom instead of seeking your own stuff. These are assurances, these are promises that we need to consciously consider when we start to get anxious. God knows, God sees, God cares, God wants to help, God will take care of you. And in its boldest form, anxiety whispers, no, that's not true can't trust God. Who knows what God's doing? You've got to take care of you. You've got to worry about this. Nobody else is going to take care of you. Remember the promises you have. And that's a way to ameliorate some of this anxiety. And the last thing, I want to go back to the story we began with in Luke chapter 10. Let's turn over there in Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> the last thing that we can do about anxiety is we can just listen to Jesus. The concern Jesus has for us is distraction. That's the reason he reminds us, seek God's kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom. Not last, not later. Seek it first. Put the emphasis where God says it should be. And that takes us back to Mary and Martha. In Luke 10 and verse 41, it says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And the contrast is stark. Martha, you're worried and anxious about all these different things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen well because Mary has chosen to listen to Jesus. When we become anxious, we're listening to someone besides Jesus. I don't know who it is. It would probably be different for each one of us. But we are not listening to him. So yes, I am saying that there is a time to turn the phone off, to turn the news off, and to pull out your Bible, yes, maybe even the actual paper copy, and actually read Jesus' words. To still the voices, to calm the worries, to put the dishes down, put the bills aside, put the kids to bed, turn off the TV, and just listen to Jesus? How long has it been since you've done that? Could it be that that's why we're anxious and troubled about so many things? I've been thinking about this a lot because I have noticed in myself that when I interact with certain people and certain topics, sometimes certain media, They add to my anxiety. And I have noticed the effect that that has on my mood and my treatment of other people. I have been noticing my tendency to get distracted from the things that I already know intellectually matter most, and yet they don't seem to matter to me as much as I know that they should. And I have noticed, particularly, that when I am reading and thinking about and focused on things other than the actual words of God, it makes me anxious. So I don't say any of this to condemn or to criticize. I know that anxiety is a difficult problem. And I know that there are anxiety disorders and that there is clinical depression and that it's a deeper problem than I can resolve by talking about it for, I don't know how long I've been up here, 45 minutes or so. But I believe that all of us will be benefited by remembering the perspective God's word brings. Take some time and actually listen to Jesus. Would you pray with me about that? Our God and Father, we thank you so much for a time that we've had to open your word together. Father, we thank you for your love, that you care about us, even though sometimes, Father, our hearts wander from you. We struggle to seek your kingdom first and to put you first. Father, we thank you, and we thank you for revealing your word to us so that we can know your heart and mind. And we can know how we can come back to you when sometimes our perspective has been lost. Father, I pray for our congregation. I pray for those who are physically sick and suffering and struggling. And I ask your blessings on them and the doctors that are caring for them. Father, I pray for us in terms of our spirit and our hearts. I pray that you'll help us as we try to be a light to the world around us. As we live in an anxious world, as there is so much to be anxious about, Father, that we will seek to listen to our Savior, that we will pursue the things that come from him, that we'll have perspective about all the things that are going on and all the things that you've blessed us with and the hope that we have because of what you've done for us. Father, I pray that you'll give us a different heart, a heart to quiet those voices that come from within us and from without us, that would distract us from you. Help us to put those anxieties aside, to listen to you, to follow you. Father, we ask for your help. We ask for your peace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There might be someone here this morning who needs to respond to the invitation. This is the time we've set aside. If there is a need that you have that you want to make known to this group, that we can help you, whether to be baptized into Christ or to pray with you about some problem that you have. If there's anything that we can do to help. Please come to the front as we stand and sing to encourage.